Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. The morning after the vice presidential debate, we'll talk about that in a little while. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be making any difference in the election. doesn't mean that there weren't some interesting things. But you know that when the dominant meme coming out of a debate is the fact that a fly landed on the vice president's head and stayed there for more than two minutes. Did they calculate it? it was like two minutes and nine seconds. You kind of know that that uh, it's going to be overshadowed. And, and if and if uh, that wasn't enough to overshadow the debate, am I, am I trivializing this? Is this too trivial? I mean, people want to get into more substance. We'll, we will get to it. We'll talk about that. But uh, it, it's also overshadowed by the president's behavior this morning and other breaking news. I mean, we have this uh, story about uh, six people who have been charged in a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, apparently this was a group of militiamen who were upset about uh, the various uh, shutdown orders. And of course, uh, we remember when the president was tweeting out in all caps, liberate Michigan. So we're going to see how how that plays out. Um, but I want to start with the president calling in. He's the well, several things calling into uh, Fox Business and um calling the first African-American vice presidential nominee a monster, a communist. Um, What else did he say? Uh, Blamed, suggested that uh, Gold Star families might have infected him with the coronavirus. This would be the coronavirus that apparently he's immune to. Um, And then said that he's not going to be participating in the debate. So the debate last night may be the last debate of the year. So joining me as a guest today is um, our senior editor and the producer of this podcast, Jim Swift. Jim, thanks for uh, joining me and welcome back on the podcast. Thanks, Charlie. Been a long time since I've talked to you. Um, Actually, you talked to me yesterday. Yeah, I know. That was was a joke. Oh, I see. That was a joke. Okay, so I'm missing all of the humor. So where 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 should we start this this morning? Should we start with the fact that the president of the United States came out looking like an oompa loompa yesterday? It, and, that, that unhinged video where it set, it's like he was selling wacky waving flable arm flailing tube men. Yeah, you know, Fr- free rides. I, I love I love the free rides thing. This is amazing. I am so jacked up on this. I'm going to get this for you, and it's going to be free. And everybody, the funny thing about it is that nobody's really even bothering to go. Well, how do you you know get this free? It's un it's it's unapproved, right? It's not authorized. It's still it's that cocktail that's still in testing, and nobody's even bothering at this point to go. Yeah, it's probably you're not going to be handing these roids out free in the parking lot of the hospitals. But I, and I'm sorry, I know that people are going to say, Charlie, you're better than this, you know, focusing on the, the, the makeup. But it's, it's hard not to be distracted by that sort of thing. Um, well, hey, just remember, Charlie, free college is it's the real evil that, you know, we have to we have to uh, make sure that Trump gets reelected because uh, they're communists. But free drugs, not communist. Well, you know, since you since you went went to the communist thing here, let's let's start with this. I suppose we should start with this. The president calls into and correct my pronunciation here, the Maria Bartiromo show. Yeah, that's right. The money, honey. Well, see, that's so sexist. Why, why, that, you just that, went there, you know, that was her that was her moniker at CNBC. No, I know. I know it is. So it was this bizarre 40 plus minute rant. I'd say 40 plus minutes, but is that about 40 minutes 
even she knows that it's like, okay, we've got to cut this short. And she says, Mr. President, I know you're like really busy, but let's, let's, let's start off, which we have, we have three cuts that I want to play and then comment on. Uh, let's, should we start with the, the, the monster or the communist one? Uh, just surprise me. Monster okay. Communist. okay. And, and the radical left controls, but Biden won't be president for two months. Okay. He won't be president for two months. So if Biden so ever got you in, mean, you mean he'll, he'll have be, to step down? Are you saying you think he'll have to capable. step down after two months? He's not mentally capable of being president. You know that. Everybody knows that. Everybody that knows him, he can't be president. And this monster that was on stage with uh, Mike Pence, who destroyed her last night, by the way, but this monster, uh, she says, no, no, there won't be fracking. There won't be this. There won't. Everything she said is a lie. A monster. A monster. Um, but he really wasn't done. I mean, he, 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 he also had to call her a communist who wants to bring in rapists and Cory Booker and all kinds of other things. Let's play that one. I thought that wasn't even a contest last night. She was terrible. She was, uh, I don't think you could get worse, and totally unlikable. And she is. She's a communist. She's left of Bernie. She's rated left of Bernie by everybody. She's a communist. We're going to have a communist, and she's going to be, in my opinion, within a month. Look, I stood next to Joe, and I looked at Joe. Joe's not lasting two months as president. Okay, that's my opinion. He's not going to be lasting two months. You know, they all like to say, oh, it was so, so nice. He took his president. ads down. He didn't take his ads down. It was all nonsense. He never, he never took his ads down. No, I, no, she's a communist. She's not a socialist. She's well beyond a socialist. Take a look at her views. She wants to open up the borders to allow killers and murderers and rapists to pour into our country. We have the tightest borders we've ever had right now. I have the wall is up to 350 miles long. It'll be finished very soon. It's had a tremendous impact. Okay, perfectly normal, Jim. I mean, perfectly and exactly the kind of thing that will calm jittery Republicans down. I mean, they're all freaking out and panicking. That that should reassure them, right? It seemed like it was like somebody at the at a concert holding up a lighter and yelling, "Play free bird." You know, he wanted to go back to his greatest hits about rapists and murderers <laughs> and and everything else. It was. Uh, I mean, this is this is how he started his campaign with this controversy, and apparently, uh, that's how he also wants to 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 end it. So we should look forward to caravans next, right? Or, well, we got Obamagate, we got locking up Hillary, we got all of that. It's like, so I'm reading the Washington Post this morning, uh, Robert Costa, uh, about the GOP panic. You you saw that story, I'm sure, you know, facing a political reckoning as Trump support plummets and a possible blue tsunami looms. It is now conservatives and Trump allies who are showing flashes of discomfort with the president straining to stay in the good graces of his core voters without being wholly defined by an erratic incumbent. If if only they had been warned. Really, if only somebody would have said this is a bad idea, bad choice. Well, Charlie, flash, you know, go back four years ago. Remember where we were. This was when Reince Priebus uh, was was, was encouraging Trump to drop out. This is when Paul Ryan was having those calls with House conference members saying that, like, you don't have to – to support him, you know, like you, you, you are released from any obligation of that. Uh, and you, you know, you go to this next campaign four years later and they're all put in this awkward position again, but I don't think we're going to see any of that from Rama, Ronna Romney McDaniel or Kevin McCarthy. Um, it's, uh, it's, 
people are just they're going to be they're just going to be hiding from this. So, <clears throat> this is really a good point because there have been so many off ramps for Republicans over the years. They have had mm-hmm. so many opportunities to say, "Yeah, um, we're not with him." Okay, we're we may support some of his stuff, but no, we're we're out of here. And and that that October seventh, October eighth. Four years ago with the Access Hollywood was was really one of the pivot points because that was kind of the it looked like they were finally going to unshackle themselves from Trump. But eventually it was also the moment where they all decided they were going to bow the knees. But I mean, this this level of panic that's going on here um, again, we're going to we're going to get to the debate in, in a moment. And in my, in my newsletter this this morning, I asked that nagging question, is, is it OK to be optimistic because you know, I, I started the countdown journal in my newsletter, and part of what I w- wanted to do was to keep a, a record to track, um, you know, what people, what I was thinking, you know, kind of taking my temperature so that I could look back on this and say, okay, what did I think was going to happen? Uh, what was I paying attention to? What was I ignoring? What was I getting wrong? Because I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, Jim, but I did this back in 2012, um, and it made for a really depressing reading about because I was so wrong about that election. But I mean, you're looking at these polls today. I mean, you have a Fox News poll showing him down by double digits. Right. Rasmussen. The Rasmussen poll is a piece of shit poll. I mean, they're basically the you know Trump world fluffers, a pollster. They have him down 12 points. I mean, he's 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 down across the board. I mean, you look at some of these numbers. Uh, I don't buy the Quinnipiac poll that shows Biden up by 11. He's no one's up by 11 in, in Florida. Uh, they have him up by 13 in Pennsylvania. Look, see, here's the thing. I mean, those are outliers. But even if they're like wrong, uh, if they're off by a lot, it's still bad news for Trump. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. It, it's good to document this, Charlie. I mean, I, I didn't have a, a diary or a journal in, yeah. in 2012. But, uh, you know, someone was asking me about election predictions and they're like, well, what, you know, what does the bulwark think? And I said, well, you know, we have a diverse number of writers and, and guests on our podcast who've made a, a variety of predictions from landslide to uh, electoral chaos, right? That uh, these crazy worst case scenarios that might come true. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to think, uh, is this the same race it was in July? You know, is that the same race? Uh, same race that we had in February? You know, the answer is no. I mean, it's been remarkably stable in recent weeks, but uh, it's, it's been, it's been a roller coaster of crazy, but uh, not in no way good for Trump in recent No, months. no. And, and this does feel different than, than 2016, even though we still, you know, have that hanging overhead. Uh, Kristen Soltis Anderson, I, I thought had the best explanation on Twitter. She said back in 2016, emotion infiltrated analysis. The polling had the race as a three to four point race nationally, but emotionally, a lot of people couldn't shake the feeling that there was just no way America would elect Trump and they discounted ch- the chance it could happen. And I think that's true, that people actually believe that if something's unthinkable, it's therefore impossible. And then she says, OK, in 2020, same thing is happening but in reverse. Emotion is infiltrating analysis in the other direction. The polling is clearer and more consistent with Biden up by eight in the averages. Actually, it's now over nine. But emotionally, a lot of people remember the feeling of shock in 2016, and they don't want to repeat it. I think that's exactly right. Uh, I mean, K- KSA is one of the the, the best poll analysis yeah. analysts out there, and uh, I I couldn't agree with her uh, anymore. It's just uh, I think as you, as you alluded, we have 2016 hanging over our head, and uh, no one wants to be that wrong again. 
So uh, they're giving Trump in a way, maybe an unfair chance uh, in a race where he doesn't really seem to have much of a chance. You know, we are kind of at the stage. I was I was thinking of the kind of the analogy of where we're at right now. Where and, and Donald because Donald Trump is not a he's not a quitter and he refuses to be a loser, right? So he's got a claim that he was cheated. Um, not a surprise, by the way, that he's bailed out of the debates. I mean, that's like the least shocking thing. The the, the debate the the debate commission said that the next debate in Miami, the town hall meeting, would be virtual, and he immediately said he's not going to do it. Um, I think obviously he realized in a virtual debate they might be able to shut off his microphone. And the but, Hugh Hewitts of the world have, have jumped to this that Trump Trump is victim. You know, the Commission on Presidential Debates has it out for Trump. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. No, no, it's actually not. I mean, Hugh Hewitt is Hugh Hewitt. I mean, he's who it's sort of my he's he's actually become my go to guy like, OK, so what would the most bad faith shill say at this particular point? And we go there. We could, we could there's a lot of names on that list. So we're almost at the stage now where you have to ask, think of think of, of Donald Trump playing cards and he's losing or think of him playing checkers or something like that. We're coming up to the point where he's just going to kick the board over, right? He's he's, he's going to disrupt the game because whatever, you know, there's a fly in my drink and then the cards go flying or he kicks over the, the chess or checkers board. So what what is that going to look like? I mean, of course, maybe the kind of interview we're seeing this morning is an indication, but he's going to throw... I, I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine the shit this guy is going to throw up against the wall in the next uh, next three weeks. Uh, I, you know, I think it's the, the, the gaming analogy is good. It reminds me of his failed casinos. Uh, he does not have his his dad to come by and buy a one million dollar gambling coin to you know bail him out. Um, but it, it, at one point, Trump uh, in his failed Atlantic City experiment had to get a bailout from the New Jersey Gaming Commission. And there's a really interesting um, clip from Trump, uh, the documentary. It was, uh, it was a documentary that was uh, stopped by Trump's lawyers way back when from Inside Edition. And they eventually released it right before the election um, la- last time. And uh Trump is getting interviewed right after the the, the, the bailout. He got his bailout from the gaming commission, and he looks at the press and goes, "You know what? Maybe go write a story about someone else and leave Trump alone." And he <laughs> he he can, and I, I I've, I've saved that clip. It's a great clip. Um, in fact, I'll drop it in. It's a big hurdle, and it's great, and I'm happy. And maybe you people can cover one of the millions of other people now, and, 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 and sort of leave Trump alone. Are you selling anything, officer? Uh, they just might do what he wants. He will acknowledge losing at some point and be very wounded, but he's still a victim. No, I don't mean even after the election. I mean, what is he going to do between now and the election? I mean, he's you know declare. I mean, he. I mean, he's given out free stuff. He's he. It's so erratic. I. I'm still blown away by the fact that he walked away from the stimulus deal. I I don't know whether he's going to you know go back and do an airline only, but I just I just I'm trying to figure out what he's going to do. So he's pushing this coronavirus line now. What yesterday when he came out looking like an oompa loompa, he was saying maybe it was a blessing from God, and then promised all the free roids and everything. But this Fox News poll has some really interesting numbers if you dig down into it on the coronavirus issue. Um, 72% favor requiring masks when people are outside their home. Well, the number of people who now think the virus is under control is down to 24%. 
And that's down from a month ago with when it was 30 percent. Almost twice as many voters prioritize limiting the spread of the coronavirus over restarting the economy. Now, so that would suggest that he's got some pretty significant headwinds on the kinds of message that he's putting out. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to claim that this is a democratic hoax and, uh, you know, all the all the responses from government are overreactions and, you know, you know infringing on your liberty. It was easier to make that claim in February or March. But now when we have over 200,000 dead and 7 million people have gotten coronavirus, at least the numbers that we have, you know, you see these stories of Trump supporters who think, you know, who actually like are gone, going on the record, the ones who thankfully didn't die, saying, you know, I thought this was all BS, but then I had to go to the hospital for it and it really sucks. And, yeah. you know, what percentage of those people still vote for Trump? I'd say probably higher than we would probably hope, right? Yeah. But the but there, there are friends and family who, you know, who see this and, uh, you know, as those numbers go up, uh, it becomes all more real uh, in an experiential way for for people who are skeptical. Yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit of a caution here. We had the uh, Marquette University law poll out in Wisconsin showing Biden up by five. This is a very, very good poll. And one of the, the, the takeaways from that poll was that people are very, very entrenched, that there's very little that's going to break away the hardcore Trump voters. But but they're not the ones who are going to be deciding this election. OK, one, one more thing from this Fox News poll on health care. This is a huge problem for, for Trump. Twice as many voters want to keep Obamacare in place as want to repeal the health law. This is amazing because, you know, you and I have watched this. Remember, we remember when when Obamacare was this, you know, incredible anchor around the neck of Democrats. Now it's favored 6432. Wow. And, uh, and incumbent Republicans don't want to really campaign against it. I'm not even mentioning it. So people who really care about uh, who prioritize health care, they favor Biden by 32 points. And then there's the whole violence thing, the whole law and order thing. Uh, the people who say that law and order, I mean, sort of they say that violent crime is the most important factor, um, favor Trump by a single point. Whoa. Voters who prioritize racism back Biden by 44. Not not a surprise. So I just the the, the, the headwinds here are um, amazing. OK, so one one more thing about the, the president's handling of the, the coronavirus, which is I, I just think has been horrific. I mean, I, I got an email from somebody who said that, look, you know, a lot of the people that she works with here in Wisconsin uh, are looking at the president's miraculous recovery as an indication that maybe it was no big deal after all. I'm just not sure that's the takeaway, most folks. But OK, we have one more soundbite from from Trump this this morning. Yeah. Trump is, uh, um, insinuating that he might have gotten coronavirus from Gold Star families. Which is interesting because remember last week, it kind of got lost in the shuffle when Hope Hicks tested positive. He suggested that it maybe was people from the military or the police that it infected. So there's, there's kind of a thing that he's doing here. Let's play that. So I figured there would be a chance that I would catch it. Sometimes I'd be with in groups of, for instance, Gold Star families. I met with Gold Star families. I didn't want to cancel that. But they all came in and they all talked about their son and daughter and father and, and you know, they all came up to me and they'd tell me a story, Maria. It was really amazing, actually beautiful, but sad. And they'd come up and they'd tell me a story about my son, sir, was in Iraq sir. or he was in Afghanistan. And sir, he did this and he did that. And then he charged in order to save his friends. 
And yes, sir, he was killed, but he saved his friends. He's so brave, sir. And they tell me these stories. And I can't say back up, stand 10 feet. You know, I just can't do it. And I went through like 35 people and everyone had a different story. I could also say, don't tell stories. They're telling the story of their son who, who just died or daughter or husband who just died in a war or recently died, you know, mostly over the last 10, 12 years, but some very recent. And I can't back up, Marie, and say, give me room. I want room. Give me 12 feet. Stay 12 feet away when you talk. They come, they come within an inch of my face sometimes. They want to hug me and they want to kiss me. And they do. And frankly, I'm not telling them to back up. I'm not doing it. But I did say it's like, you know, it's, it's obviously dangerous. It's a dangerous thing, I guess, if you go by the, the COVID thing. But I, I wow. figured... Yeah. Look, I look at the numbers. I figured that you probably that probably at some point I'd catch it and I'll get better. And that's what happened. I've caught it. I could have been under the hospital in one day. I had the Regeneron. Mm. Now, I don't know what would have happened without the Regeneron. All I know is I had it and I was better within 24 hours. I felt perfect. I feel perfect now, Maria. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to speak to you. He's so brave. He is so brave. Okay, this is a, a good time to pivot to the debate uh, last night. I, you know, I we'll get to who won and lost here, but Mike Pence, uh, when he's talking about the response of the coronavirus, how he kept coming back to, I trust the American people. I trust the American people. And, you know, Kamala Harris is saying, you know, this is a failure of the administration. He's trying to say, are you saying that the American people, I it was so disingenuous. I So what was your take on, on, on the debate, Jim? I mean, again, it's not going to make any difference, but we, we got to talk about something other than just the fly on his head. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we had a, uh, and this will be a plug for Bulwark Plus, yeah. our new membership program. We we had a live stream, which I helped run. I wasn't a panelist on it. It was uh, with Jonathan Last, Tim Miller, and Sarah Longwell. And so when people sign up for Bulwark Plus- And Amanda Carpenter. And Amanda Carpenter. Sorry, yeah. lest, lest I leave off Amanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing these after every debate. Uh, but because it doesn't look like we're going to maybe even have any more debates, uh, we might uh, just be doing them on a weekly basis. And we had, um, you know, first one, we had almost 2000 uh, people come join us last night it was about almost 1500 of our members uh, came on to pose questions. It was a lot of fun. I got it. Um, I got I to gotta, I gotta say, I actually had it. Um, I, I wasn't on, but I but I was listening to it and uh, I, I thought it was outstanding. It was really, really good. And I really do urge people to check it out because I look, look, I I'm, I'm, I'm biased here, but I will tell you that it was was better than I think if you would were watching one of the cable shows. So you get our take because you kind of know that we're unfiltered and this is definitely unfiltered. So uh, that's one of the benefits of Bulwark Plus. I'm glad I'm actually really glad you brought that up because you can't, you can't have beers on cable either. Well, that's the other that's that's the other thing, you know, I mean, I, and I, I hosted this la- after the first presidential debate and, you know, everybody's, you know, we it was let's say it was a little bit looser as a result yeah. of that. You know, we're you know, we weren't exactly in our pajamas, but it was it was it was getting close. It was very good. But but Bulwark Plus, um, we've, we've been rolling it out and, uh, you know, we're providing most of this stuff uh, for free. But there's going to come a time when, of course, we, we're going to have to do a, a variety of things. But but. Just to remind people how this works, our site's going to remain free. This podcast is going to remain free. There's going to be no paywall. But if you want to continue getting my newsletter, Morning Shots, JVL's newsletter, The Triad, 
um, or be able to listen to things like this, which we're going to make on a, you know, be doing on a regular basis or listen to podcasts like, for example, The Next Level or The Secret Podcast uh, and a variety of other things. So and I guess part of this is also we we, we just feel that, look, we we, we want to continue this fight. We want to build and grow. We want to do a lot of things that we've been doing. And it's you and I have talked about this a lot. The It's kind of amazing. When we first started this on the fly, we had no idea we might even last past three months. And we've kept the staff very small, very lean. And I think the impact that we've had has been exponentially greater than any of us ever imagined. And I think only we really fully understand how how much how much more impact we've had than what we thought in January of 2019. And so we're asking the people who have been listening to us to to support us. So we really hope that they do uh, that they do join us. Yeah, and you, you know you, the, I, the thing I really like about helping produce these events is you know we've got all these great uh, readers who who send you and me emails you know in response yeah. to our newsletters, but just to see all of these uh, members and fans of ours at once and in real time talking, it's really fun to see. Um, so going back to the debate, uh, I don't I, I don't think either can, either candidate violated the do do no harm principle. Um, you know, d- did anyone really blow it? Uh, no. no, I don't think so. Like you said, it's, I don't think it's going to change anyone's mind. Uh, it will confirm a lot of priors uh, uh, for people about why they're they're voting the, the way that they are. Um, and, and in that respect, it was it was pretty cautious and tame in comparison. I mean, of course, to the, the first rodeo, which was a clown show. Um, it was it was very conventional in a lot of ways, including the, the bad stuff. Look, I mean, no Pence. You know, before this, I was I was kind of trying to raise people's expectations for Pence because Pence is a very good debater. He's been doing this for a very long time. He's a former talk radio guy. And um, but I but I but I will say that um, I'll give you my reaction to him. Okay, so he he was obviously playing to his audience of one. Right. Um, He's also setting himself up for 2024 once that's important for him, I think. And his main job, I thought last night, was to portray, you know, Kamala Harris as a dangerous radical, and kept coming back to that. I don't think he necessarily succeeded in all of that. No, uh, he didn't. I, I, I don't. I don't think that people came out and think she is, in fact, a communist. So you listen to the president this morning; she's a communist and she's a radical. I don't think that was people's reaction, and so and Harris, okay, you know, she's good, but you know, she she left some stuff on the field. I mean, she had to defend. You know, against the charges that they were closet Marxist revolutionaries and she had to, you know, prosecute the case against Trump's failures. And I know that people, you know, the, you know, anti-Trump partisans really wanted her to land harsher blows. I certainly did. <laughs> but but I, I think, you know, her main job, as you just said, Jim, was do no harm. And again, maybe she could have been a little bit more forceful, push back harder. But I did think that she kind of did, you know, do her job of pushing back on the attempts to portray the Democratic Party as, you know, closet Che Guevara. But but I will tell you, I, I think sometimes we analyze this, you know, too much on the substance. It's like, you know, we're, we're you know, parsing the lyrics when most people are listening to the melody. And I, I got to I got to tell you, I, I thought I don't know. I can't imagine that that Pence's smarminess, his total non genuine affect and his constant interruption of the of, of both uh, Senator Harris and of the moderator played well with women. 
I mean, I just, I, it just, it really came off as kind of, you know, smarmy plus jerkitude. Yeah. And I, I'm not even sure I get the impression that Mike Pence went out on that debate stage with the intention of winning any of the female suburban votes that, you know, uh, Trump and he have been losing hand over foot. I think it, it was it was all sort of damage control. And as you say, positioning himself uh, to potentially be an heir for Trumpism in 2024, um, because, you know, I mean, he would be the, the natural choice unless, of course, Trump were to run again or uh, Donald Trump Jr. Uh, were, were to run. Um, so, you know, he, he, he had to fight uh, on a couple fronts there. Um, but, you know, I, I saw some of these uh, reactions from Trump world saying uh, how happy they were yeah, like uh, it. with it. How how much do you think Donald Trump liked that? Because people weren't saying that about his debate. And we know that his little fragile ego uh, can't handle uh, being uh, one upped by somebody. Well, you know, I actually predicted that uh, Donald Trump would be very unhappy with with this debate because uh, because so many people would say, boy, Mike Pence was a lot better than Donald Trump. Or, you know, look, this is what happens when you have a conservative Republican who uh, isn't crazy. Uh, but you'll notice that Trump has gone out of his way to stomp on the story altogether. So here's the morning where you would theoretically be exulting in Trump world and, and how great Mike Pence did. And what do you have? The president calling in um, and stealing all the oxygen as he always does and but referring to Kamala Harris as a monster and a communist but first of all I mean you know I made this point before and I'm sorry everything about Trump you feel like you're repeating but it's like you can make a critique of somebody like Kamala Harris without calling her a communist and a monster right I mean, you could, there, there's yeah. a sort of like that's so over the top but it does reflect what he thinks plays with his base right Mm -hmm. They actually thinks calling this black woman a monster is is an effective parry. Well, and, and you know uh, the, the length of that interview, as you as you referred to earlier, was so long. It was literally half of a presidential debate. Amanda Carpenter made this good point on Twitter, saying, "You know, the, the same guy who calls into TV shows can't be bothered. Like maybe they just tell him he could call into the debate. You know." <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be on camera, sir. You know, in, in in the early days, everyone always thought that Trump would call in so he could like, you know, cheat and look at his little cheat cards and notes on a table and, you know, wouldn't have to be on film. It's just it's just amazing that he has this amount of time. I mean, he if, if he wants to go on uh, a Zoom call and, and, and make these sort of assertions again, uh, you know, uh, he should. But I, I don't think uh, I bet his advisors are, are secretly happy about this because uh, the first debate being such a disaster for him, they knew that uh, this format would be even more disastrous because he couldn't bully uh, as easily because it wasn't in person. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have a lot of coverage on, on the bulwark today. We have Mona Charon who writes about the way uh, Pence flubbed that basic civics 101 question. Uh, he's completely aligned with Trump and refusing to acknowledge and you know, saying that they're going to accept the election results. I mean, I, 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 this is such an easy question. I mean, you really have to work hard to not just say, of course, we're going to accept the results of the election. So Mona has that piece. Uh, Amanda had wrote, even though she was also on the on the live stream yesterday, she uh, put together our first piece, which was the indefensible Mike Pence, which talks about uh, his role in the uh in the, in the coronavirus including the the super spreaders you know stuff the super spreader events by the way the super spreader of, and and then one more and uh, richard north patterson has a piece that Harris says 
Harris won by not losing. Uh, so the there are reports that Trump is still going to go out on the campaign trail next week. Uh, you know, even even as 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 we're speaking, and I don't know, I maybe I haven't updated. Thirty four people in the White House itself have have been infected. I mean, the White House itself now has become a vector of of infection. And while all this is happening, he's he's going to take it on the road. I, I, you, you can't plug and play when you're the president of the United States, campaign staff, security personnel, secret service people. I mean, uh, it would, when, when you bring that circus on the road, uh, given what we know now, and we know very little because the White House is not being very transparent about it, about the level of coronavirus infection inside of the White House and inside of the Secret Service and inside of the military uh, apparatuses that uh, handle um, the, the office of the president. Um, you, you know, it's not like you could just call up some Army National Guardsmen and be like, hey, you've been called up and you're now the president's limo driver, right? You know, uh, when it comes to comms professionals, you can't, uh, you know, just go to the Department of Agriculture and be like, you're replacing Hogan Gidley, you know, get on the plane and go to the rally. It, it, it just doesn't work that way. And so uh, even if President Trump is out of the woods at some point, coronavirus wise, by the time of that next debate, uh, people within, within his inner circle in the White House and even the press corps, uh, as Tim pointed out in the podcast, you know. People in the press corps are getting it now from 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 these events, uh, and their spouses. Uh, you know, it's 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 just irresponsible to do, and uh, right. it's it's reckless. They're gonna and they're gonna do it anyway. So there are a lot of like bizarre and weird tweets out there. It's hard to to uh, you know go go through them all. I mean, Mike Lee had the tweet about ranked democracy, which I'm just gonna leave aside here because who knows what that was about. I thought that Marco Rubio had the worst one though. Oh, the Did missile one. It? Yeah, Marco Rubio has a tweet saying, think hard about what you just saw, then decide who you want just one heartbeat away from the presidency. And then it's got a picture of what these Minuteman missiles firing off into the air. I'm just not sure that that played the way that Rubio thinks it plays, because right now, I wouldn't think that that the Trump fluffer, even the Trump fluffers want people thinking about that guy, the Oompa Loompa guy, the, you know, the, you know, orange Evita. With his finger on the nuclear button. I mean, this is this is not exactly what they want people focusing on. Would you rather have Joe Biden with his finger on the nuclear button or a roided up Donald Trump? Eh. It's ironic for Rubio. And, you know, of course, many of us, we old weekly standard types were were Rubio supporters in 2016 who made the made the point that uh, Donald Trump was unfit to have the nuclear codes. Yeah. And then that up all the time. Yeah. And then he doubled down on it. Right before the election, so it's 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 just funny to hear that from Rubio, uh, of all people. Uh, given uh, you know, it, sadly, since he, he probably can't get cornered in the Capitol by a reporter, it'd be interesting to think uh, to see if he still thinks that Donald Trump shouldn't be uh, be given the nuclear codes uh, so many years later. But he's just shifting the goalposts, uh, and. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. does, Kamala, does Kamala Harris, did she come across last night as so unstable that were she to become president, you wouldn't trust her with nukes? No. No sensible person watched that debate last night and thought, ah, sh- you know, shoot, I don't think that person should, you know, have access to global thermal nuclear weapons. Well, and this is the, this is the scary thing. And I guess in the back of my mind, when I when I raised the, the question about Donald Trump kicking over the board between now and the election, uh, you know, the, the obvious 
the obvious fear is always some sort of a wag the dog kind of thing because he clearly likes breaking things and killing certain people uh, and then bragging about it. He was, like this morning, he was you know talking about how yes, um, ba- Al Baghdadi is a bigger name than Osama bin Laden because of course everything he does is bigger than um, than than Barack Obama. It was kind of strange, by the way. Did you notice that? What, they brought. They were allowed to bring guests along, which I thought was yeah. strange in of itself. And they brought the family of the young woman who had been held hostage and killed by ISIS. Mm-hmm. And and they and they wanted to use that as a talking point. Well, and 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 uh, he he dropped he dropped it there. I mean, look. I mean, the, the I, I hesitate to call it a stunt, given it that you know, it wasn't it felt it, like that though. Yeah, but is is you know is the family members of of a victim of terrorism? I mean, it, it's but. I would say maybe a better term would be they kind of were being used as props. Now, in an ordinary debate, you know, sometimes they 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 cut to the audience members, right? Uh, or at least in the primary debates. But when Pence tried to deploy that attack on on Harris, uh, he did so so late into his time that he had to force the whole thing very quickly, and it didn't come across to me as sincere um, at all. And uh, then Kamala Harris got a fresh start because she got to respond and Kamala Harris did come across as sincere. So if their goal was to, uh, you know, to smear Biden via Obama because of ISIS and this woman's murder at the hand of ISIS, um, it, it, it did not go according to plan like they probably had hoped it would. No. Okay. A couple of words about Susan Page is getting beaten up, including by me a little bit. I, I, I know Susan Page. I like her. I think she, I actually thought she came up with some really good. She's been questions. on this podcast. Yeah, I know. But I mean, she, she came up with, when, when I was watching, I'm thinking this is somebody who's really, you know, given some thought and, uh, but the problem is she wasn't able to control it. And, and I, and I, and I don't know, Again, same thing with Chris Wallace. What do you do if if you have a certain asymmetry? One of the candidates is going to play by the rules. The other one's going to ignore them. And, you know, Mike Pence figured out that he's going to bulldoze over it. He's going to seize the time for himself. He's going to jump in. And she tried and she tried and she tried. And short of being able to cut off the microphone, I'm not sure what she can do. I guess it would have been nice if she, though, would have asked follow-up questions or when they compl- when they made no pretense of ignoring her questions, if she would have doubled back. But this is the problem of the format. And I got to say, can I speak for America when I say that we are all relieved this may be the last debate? Maybe. You know, I mean, I thought you brought up a really good point last night on, on Twitter, which was that it was a really important question she asked about whether or not Harris and uh, Pence had talked with Biden and Trump about, you know, their age. And, you know, what were to happen uh, if something were to happen? Yeah. Um, and neither of them answered the question. Not even close. No. And, uh, you know, I was I was like that was so early on. And I was hoping after after Pence, you know, had some weapons grade. What about and then dodged it? I said, this is an easy layup. You know, I mean, there, the, but Harris didn't do it either. It was it was really disappointing. And I, I kind of wish that she pinned them to the boards on that because, I mean, both campaigns in in their own way are trying to make that point uh, without suggesting that their you know person at the top of the ticket could potentially die. Um, but they're they're elevating the VP choices here because you know think back to Sarah Palin, the quote yeah. unquote heartbeat away. Uh, it matters a lot more in this election. It uh, matters very urgently right now. I mean, we just went through a four day period where we're wondering: Is the president going to make it? Is he going to die? Is he going to be incapacitated? 
Um, even now, it's like, is his judgment impaired by uh, this cocktail of drugs? So it was not a stupid question at all. But again, okay, so we, we're not going to have any more debates, probably. At least the second debate is, is not going to take place. It is interesting because Donald Trump, he's done this now twice in two days, basically, where, you know, he makes it very clear that it's his responsibility that there's going to be no uh, relief package. That's on him. Um, and that there's not going to be a debate because he refuses to participate. That doesn't look brave. That doesn't look strong to me. It's, you know, it's, there. It, I don't know, I'm, I'm I, I, I suppose trying to look for the rational explanation for the decision-making at this point is probably a fool's errand, though. Well, I mean, is part of me thinks that there's this cadre of people within the White House that wants to try, I mean, it's all about the base at the end of the day, to try and appear conservative. I mean, you can't yeah. simultaneously claim that Kamala Harris is a communist because she wants to eradicate student loan debt. Which, you know, is like, you know, the Wall Street Journal called it way back in the day during Obamacare, which was part of it, the quietest trillion. When we have the Federal Reserve literally spending trillions and trillions of dollars, and Congress is also appropriating, you know, trillions of hundreds of billions, and in some cases, like probably aggregate over a trillion dollars to to send people checks (laughs) and to make make forgivable loans to businesses. Uh, is that communism? Is that socialism? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know how they, they make that, that, they make that case, but if, if there are any people of conservative policy chops still over there and not just Trump lackeys, um, it, it's, it's hard to make both of those cases at the same time and appear consistent. Okay. So let me get your sense. So, so where do you think we're at in this, in, in, in the election cycle? Because I think yesterday and today there's sort of peak Biden optimism in terms of the polls. This can change. They can be wrong. There can be other events. There may be tightening and everything. But mm. right now, it certainly looks like we're looking not just at a defeat for Donald Trump, but a wipeout up and down the ticket. So what what is the what is the posture of our professional anti anti Trump critics? I think they're beginning. To, I think they're beginning to head for the exits. Um, you know, you see this with Ben Shapiro tweeting out things, you know, I'm not going to do my Ben Shapiro impression because it's, it's embarrassing. Um, is but good? is it good? <laughs> it's not as good as my Mark Levin, but, Ooh, okay. um, but it, it, it looks like they're heading for the exit. Ben Shapiro making comments that like, if Trump loses to this 78 year old doddering fool, yada, 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 you know, Eric Erickson talking about uh, expectations, and everything, you know, I, I'm critical of Erickson. I, I yeah. think he tends to, to, to be a windsock on these things. Uh, he was never Trump before he was pro Trump and you know, it's, it's all going to revert back. Uh, but I, I just I think you're beginning to see people head for the exits. But the same issues the members of Congress have to deal with, they can't open the door. You know, they can go up to the door, they can listen to the door to see if anyone's on the other side. But the the second you start opening the door to leaving Trumpism, there I think everyone is worried that they're going to lose their audience, they're going yeah. to lose their influence, they're going to lose their election. But they're all right outside of the door with a with a glass listening to hear what might be on the other side. Well, and it's going to be a tremendous relief for some of them. Um, you know, they, they may continue the anti anti Trump stuff, but um, I, I imagine many of them secretly 
are going to be relieved when they no longer have to rationalize, enable, carry water for whatever, and they're able to go back to just beating up on on Democrats, which they will, which they will do, and will will we'll probably feel like the good old days, right? I mean, so, uh, but because if anything, they they cared all along about free trade deficits, debt, and uh, rule of law and good governance. That's that's what they that's what they've been spending the last four years doing, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, and of course, that's what the Supreme Court uh, nomination is all about. You know, having somebody who has a strict adherence to the Constitution, and actually, that's that's I think that's a phrase that I took from from Ben Shapiro. And then I'm thinking, okay, wait, but you're backing Donald Trump because you care about a strict adherence to the Constitution. This sort of the cognitive dissonance of holding these ideas in your mind. This is why tribalism is such a is is, is such a powerful uh, drug. Jim Swift, thank you so much for coming back on the Bulwark podcast. And again, uh, check out the Bulwark, check out Bulwark Plus, um, including if you are a member of Bulwark Plus, we've posted the uh, our post-debate analysis uh, live stream. Where can people find that? Uh, on Bulwark Plus, if you're a member, just log in. It's there. Right. Or if you got the email, just click the same link that I sent you. We always post the the video on the same uh, on the same post. So, and we're going to do more of these uh, because the response has been so great. Um, and so, if you guys have ideas, you know, we always want to hear them, especially if there aren't any more debates coming. Okay, and, uh, and and check out Jim's newsletter, which comes out. We have uh, three newsletters every single day. Um, in fact, you know, when you think about, it, we put out a lot of stuff at the Bulwark. We we have the we have the Bulwark site. We have Bulwark Plus. We have the three newsletters: mine in the morning, JVL's in the after in the midday, and then yours at, later in the day. And then how many podcasts we have? We have this one, the flagship podcast. We have sure. Mona, Ch- Mona Charon's uh, podcast, uh, Beg to Differ, uh, as well as the quote-unquote secret podcast, which is no longer secret, and Next Level. And then, of course, Sonny Bunch has a podcast. Oh, yeah. Sorry, five. Yeah, I, I don't have any any thumbprint on, on Sonny's. But, um, yeah, five. That's it's, it's amazing for how few people we, we have, how much content we're able to put out and, um, you know, your uh, your your support and membership uh, and your kind donations over the past two years have enabled us to do all this. So thank you all. And we are very, very grateful. Uh, thank you for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again.